Welcome to No Bollocks Marketing, the podcast by e-commerce agency Be Found, Be Chosen. Your no-nonsense guide to quality traffic, better conversion rates and higher profits. Now, now into the episode. Alright and welcome back to another episode of No Bollocks Marketing, the podcast where we cut the fluff and tell you exactly what it takes to build a hell of an e-commerce store. This week I've sat down with Jeff, our head of SEO, and he's going to take us through three things that your category pages absolutely need. Some excellent examples from the big boys like Amazon, Game.co.uk, Land of Beds, Guitar Guitar and a few others as well. Power of category pages for e-commerce, aren't we? One of my favourites. One of your favourites. What Before we get into it, just for the listeners, what are we on about in terms of a category page? Like, what, what actually is a category page? What's it for? Why is it useful? So everyone will know category pages. Um, it's the pages where it's not your product page, being specific to a, a certain item or a certain product. It's that uh, wider list of uh, a set of products, which are usually going to be within some kind of category or some kind of grouping. Um, to make it easier from the browsing perspective. Yeah, so a lot of fashion sites, for example, might have in their navigation bar a shop by brand or a shop by item. And those that list of items within that brand or the list of that particular item will constitute another subset of products. And that page where those products are housed will be the category page in effect. Yeah, subsets of products. Um and that's so open-ended. It can be a brand, as you said. It can be um, something really generic, like uh, dresses, or it could mm. be something really, really, really specific, like smart, going-out, black shirts. Yeah. That's short-sleeved. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into that, won't we? Because what we're going to give the listeners today is three things that people absolutely should have on their category pages to, to take them to the next level, really. Um, question for you. And, you know, there might not be a right or a wrong answer on this one, but how many products should there be on a category page? That's a great, great question. And um, I don't want to say it depends, but it depends. So <laughs> I've, I've thought of an example straight away, which is um, it's kind of at the heart of this discussion, which is that Amazon, Amazon's category pages are bad. Really? Okay. Where Amazon is successful really is on its product pages. Yeah. And Amazon is only successful at that because of the strength of its search. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Amazon is not known for being uh, strong in terms of browsing. Mm-hmm. You don't go on Amazon just to have a look and have a nib and mm-hmm. find something to buy. You go on Amazon because you've got something you want to buy. You find mm-hmm. it and you buy it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I'd say for that is you've got if you've got any given category, like it could be um, it could be desks. You go to a category page on Amazon for desks, you're going to be faced with like 10,000 products. It, it's difficult. Yeah. And um, with, within those 10,000 products, you might want a wood desk or, you know, a, a grey desk with black legs or a standing desk or a small desk or a fold away desk. You know, there's, there's so many different things that you could possibly want within the realm of desks, isn't there? Yeah. So for Amazon to spit 10,000 desks at you really isn't any good. It's useless and, you know, this is where things like filtering and being able to drill down a bit better mm. um, in theory should help. But th- in the context of Amazon and, and large retailers, I think Wayfair is really good, really bad at it as okay. well. Right. But you go on Wayfair, you want a desk. 
there are literally thousands and thousands of desks. You try yeah. to filter down, and you say, I want a white top with uh, wooden legs, and I want it to be this tall and this wide and made yeah. from this material, and you've still got, like, a 100 desks to, to browse through. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like... It, you just need your handheld that a little bit more. Well, it's too many, isn't it? Like, how okay. how on earth can a consumer make a realistic, considered decision amongst 100 products? Like, you need to give them some categories within to make their choice, don't you? So a customer might arrive on that page with the idea that they want to spend between 500 and 600 quid on the desk. They might know that they needed for an office fit-out, which needs to be done by... Um, in a couple of weeks' time, so they need really quick delivery. It needs to be quick to assemble because I'm going to be doing it myself. You know, a customer arrives at a category page with a predetermined set of things that they need this desk to be or to fit, and it's about getting those customers that have already decided within your category on the category page, I think is is roughly where we're going with it, isn't it? So that, that's why they're one of my favourites. So from an e-commerce perspective... Um... You know, they do fulfill that lower, middle to lower funnel search, um, yeah. than anything else. Okay. So if you, you don't know you want the product, but you know you want a standing desk that is made from, um, oak and yeah. it's probably about 500 pounds. Yeah. Category landing pages work because you can just stick that into Google. And if you've got a good category landing page, you should be able to give the customer exactly what they yeah. want from that search. You, you show them a list of 10 beautiful, desks with an oak top that have been waxed with beeswax and have been finished with a, uh, an anti-rust paint and all, all these kind of wonderful things and suddenly the customer's like, yeah, this is the right place for me and this I can make fun. a really good decision. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, How often is a category page a landing page? Um, More often than not. So, you know, we're coming at it from the e-commerce perspective. It's about it's our first interaction with a, mm-hmm. potentially with a brand. So I looked at one of our retailers um, over the last 12 months of data, mm-hmm. and 15 of the top 20 um, most viewed pages were category landing pages. Really? Right. Okay. That's interesting. So that's, you know, coming at it from the browsing perspective and uh, landing on the site for the first time. And obviously, most of that traffic will come will have come from search. search. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, but even yeah. wider than that, you know, it's coming from email, it's coming from social. Right. You've got, you got an email promotion that says, you know, here's this group of products. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to drop someone on the site. Yeah, it, it does fit very, very well by email, with email, uh, I must say. Um, no, it, it's an interesting one because I'm a big fan of product pages, as you know, but, you know, and, and you do, the product page has become a lot more powerful in recent years. I mean, like, you, you know, rewind, say, five years ago. Your e-commerce journey was right. Get to a website via the homepage, click through a category page, finally get on the product page, at the basket, check out. Your, your product comes a few days later and you go, hey, job's good. And, but with you know Facebook ads in particular and the advent of product listings ads on Google or Google Shopping, the product page has become a lot more important in that respect. Um, but with that, I'm, I'm guessing what you're saying is, people, please don't forget about your Category pages, please. There's still a lot of gains to be had with a good category page, in particular in things like um, with email. You make a really good example. The email customers may have shopped from you before and they know what they want and they're going to come back for for that experience. So a very good category page can deliver an excellent user experience. 
it's just a different kind of behavior. So the, mm. the trend with product pages more recently, as you say, with with regards to Facebook ads and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you see the Facebook ad for something, and it seems like a cool, uh, gimmicky product. You know, like mm-hmm. we're talking about Facebook ads here. It's I didn't know I wanted one of those, but I'll yeah. I'll have a look. You've got that one impression, to one chance to make a good impression on someone. That's so it. that person will only ever see the landing page, or it may well be um, it may well be a single skew site. Okay. So mm-hmm. all the really is is the product page. But the you know as a customer and a little bit further up the funnel there, it's yeah. show me a few things like that and give me uh, a good opportunity to browse. You know, it's, it's very rare that you're going to see one product and that's going to be the one that you want. Mm-hmm. But show me uh, five that are yeah. very similar and very close to what I want and I'll yeah. pick one. That, well, that's it. You, you, you don't necessarily check out there and then upon your, your first sight of an advert from a particular store, do you? You're probably going to click on the product page not check out there and then go away, have your tea, talk to your mom about this product you've seen, and then go back to the site via search. And it's from there you can really build on that customer journey and take them from awareness to consideration and hopefully into a purchase, that classic marketing 101 funnel we all love talking about. So it's interesting, especially when you think of, you know, that that, that is a purchase journey. But um, let, let's get into this then. We want to give listeners a, a list of three things we need to make a good category page. What what do you see as the first one, Jeff? Um, so to, to fall back on the Amazon example, there, I'd say it, it, it's something people are really familiar with now, but probably most sites don't really get right. Mm-hmm. Would be your filtering options. Okay. So even in the example of Amazon, you land on um, you might land on a page like which is uh, Xbox games. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your filters down the kind of the left hand side or across the top. Mm-hmm. What you'll sometimes see on Amazon where you've got, you know, poor, poorly managed products, you might have in one of your filters, PlayStation. And it's like, well, I'm on a page for Xbox. You know, you, you, you filter in there is just obsolete, if not, mm-hmm. uh, like worse than, worse than bad. Okay. So to, to give the user, um, useful and relevant filtering options from the category page it yeah. should be you know take that journey reduce the number of clicks from getting someone to landing on the site to get into the product that they want um just that little bit more easily yeah it's funny you just mentioned games there so i've quickly on my other um, window gone on game.co.uk and they've got a great option if you go on pc games down the side here, you've got price range, which you can use as a filter and option. So you can look at games just from zero to forty nine ninety nine, fifty to ninety nine ninety nine, and and higher up. You can look at the particular franchise. So yeah, you know if you know the exact game or series of games you want. Um, you can look at you know stock availability, age ratings, genres, pre order, release dates. So you, you, again, it goes back to knowing your customers and what they're actually searching for and. And using that as filtering options for for your page, doesn't it? It's put, it's pulling back some like proper customer centric research. Mm. You know how how do you search and how do you uh, navigate and browse our products and pull it online? So a really common one you you pulled up there is um, stock filtering. Everyone's got it. Why the hell would I want to filter by out of stock products? <laughs> You're on there to buy something, aren't you? Yeah. You don't. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Show only items in stock. Yeah, I don't. Mm. I don't go. 
I don't want to go into a, a bricks and mortar shop and look at everything and then see that it's not available. That's terrible. It's it's crazy, isn't it? When you think of it's a good use for any e-commerce analogy is to compare it to a bricks and mortar store, and that is a that's a crazy one. I think the pricing one's interesting as well. So a lot of different approaches depending on specific products or categories. But um, mm. I think you said the first filter there was zero to forty nine pounds. Why if I've only got twenty pounds to spend on like a grandson's gift or something like that? I can't yeah. do that. It's not good enough. So would you want them to be a little bit narrower for the sake of gaming? Do you think a zero to thirty, thirty to fifty? Sort of option, definitely within gaming. Yeah, that, that's why you have to be really relevant to your to your specific categories. So, mm. um, you know, there will be some games on there that are nine ninety nine, and mm. as I say, I might have a gift card worth a tenner, so I haven't got forty nine quid to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no use showing greater than a thousand pounds because, you know, there's probably not a game worth that much. But because you're not made of money, <laughs> just just pulling it in a bit. So you know, even yeah. like uh, zero to twenty. 20 yeah. to 30, 30, 40, 50 and above would be better in that example. Do you want to try talking us through the great example we saw from Guitar Guitar a few weeks ago? Yeah, so um, really, really just impressive um, filtering. Um, so what they've done is they've made they've made the filters relevant to how the customers search. So, you know, everybody's used to seeing colour and price and stock availability. Um but you need really need to think about how your customers actually browse. So what Guitar Guitar have done is said, we know that customers look for guitars uh, via the shape of the body. So they've built a visual search, which actually has a graphic of the shape of the guitar body. Mm. Uh, knowing that customers, you know, they want like that classic, um, like beam shape design, or they want a triangular shape. So you can literally just click an image and it will show you uh, guitars of that shape. So, you know, we all in the office thought that that was a fantastic way to just drill down to the, the products that you want. And not something that you can probably even um, search for by using like keywords. Yeah. So yeah. you might not ever search like triangle shaped body guitar with additional um, keywords in there, but to mm-hmm. see the, the visual of it just makes it just super easy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you're right, actually. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a really a guitar player myself i certainly wouldn't search for triangle shaped guitar if i was going to search for one um so so you say that it's not necessarily a keyword thing however what i thought was very impressive when i went through it was the seo impact of having lots of pages under the gibson les paul page so they had gibson les paul guitars which obviously is a pretty juicy keyword that's going to have a lot of volume and a lot of intent there um, but there was lots of pages underneath Gibson Les Paul, like there was Gibson Les Paul uh, 50s designs, uh, Gibson Les Paul 60s designs, and, and it had lots of different types of Gibson Les Paul. And if it's that's given more clout to the, the Gibson Les Paul page as well. So there's a kind of a hierarchical structure there, which was I thought was really quite cool and explained the point of SEO quite well. Um, is there anything I've missed there? Sure, the expert. Um, no, I mean, I'd, I'd say that's, that's great for us because that, that enables us to get you onto the right page, um, more easily. But mm-hmm. it's actually, it's better for the user as well. So if I search, um, you know, like white t-shirts, I don't want to land on your, um, your category page and it to just be t-shirts. I want to be dropped on a page which is so specific to my search that I don't need to do any additional discovery. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've you've segued beautifully into the next one there. Um, so if the first thing we're saying is, you know, you need filtering. First of all, you need filtering, and then you need relevant filter, filters depending on how your customers actually are going to shop for your set of products. The next thing is that the page itself needs to be relevant. If you're searching for bright white T-shirts, you don't want to see a category page with white T-shirts, but one of them's eggshell and one of them's off-white and one of them's a bit cream. You want bright, gleaming white T-shirts that are going to look spiffing when my mum uses Daz on them every week. Exactly. So it, it it's kind of the the combination of marketers knowing um, what customers want and putting it right right under their nose. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's that's what the customer wants. There's nothing worse than when you search for something and you get back a bad result. You know, we talk about AI and Google's understanding of semantics and being able to do natural language processing and understand what we really mean. Yeah. But yet, yeah, so often you do a Google search and then you see within the carousel. Just an item that should be there, um, mm-hmm. where the understanding hasn't been strong enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you search for something that could be really, really long tail, um, five, six, seven words, you want to be dropped on a page that's just got those products in. That's, um, that's bang on. Can we think of an example of a relevant category landing page then? Um, you mentioned before about, you know, five to seven keywords in terms of a search. My mind goes to something like fashion, and if you wanted a, you know, a, a red stripey knee length summer dress or something like that. You want to yeah. see 10 products that could fit that description. You don't want to see all of the hundreds of red dresses that might be on that site. You want to see those specific dresses. Fashion has really been one of the pioneers of, of developing like great filtering mm. and, and, uh, off the back of that, really strong pages based upon that. So as you say, all of the different permutations of how you might search for a dress. Um, like a strappy, going out, white, mm. polka dot dress, um, mid-length. On a lot of the big retailers, your ASOS and your misguided and stuff, they will have category landing pages dedicated to just that. that. Yeah. And it, it, it does them so well, but as I say, it does the customer well because it gives them exactly what they're after. And the beauty of that is the longer the keyword, there's going to be more purchase intent behind it because the, the customer has gone through rounds of thought thinking that's the exact product I want. And if a retailer can deliver that in the search result to me, the likelihood of them buying is significantly higher, isn't it? Yeah, so you get the click from the search engine. You get the click on the on the category page to a product that exactly matches what you're looking for. Yeah. And then you've, you've gone within the space of a couple of clicks of landing somebody on exactly what they were looking for. Yes. Which it should be what, all, what search engines are all about. Um, you want a nest navigation within relevance of category page as well do you want to touch on that a bit so really just as a bit of a fallback to when you can't necessarily offer that that perfect long tail search so you know in an ideal world you would have a, a category landing page that covers every potential permutation of a search that I, the customer could do but you know in the real world that's a lot of pages and a lot of headaches and a lot to manage mm. um so when you can't offer a customer something that specific because you know they might have quite a the quirkier off piste um search. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Being able to get the, the user to where they want to be from that category landing page to the page that they desire in just a couple of clicks. Mm. So the you know, the supplemental navigation um that's on the page. Breadcrumbs um I'm a big fan of. So mm-hmm. if you if you're within, you know, uh white smart going out dresses, being able to just jump back to uh going out dresses mm-hmm. in one click. 
Nobody wants to be in a big like Amazon style uh, mega menu trying to find a way around the site. You, you, you've given people that grounding so they know how to get back to back to somewhere safe. Do you think anyone that's potentially listening to this that owns their own store um, is probably well served by going a bit further down the niche and making some narrower category pages than they already have at the moment? Almost every time. So. Yeah. It's quite easy if you say you're running a, like a department store and you sell some clothing, but you also sell some uh, handbags. So you might just group those products into clothing and you might go one level deeper and say like ladies wear and men's wear. And then you might have accessories, handbags or hand, um, accessories, scarves. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fine. Um, and it might be fine for your main structural navigation. Yeah. But from, from a search marketing perspective, what you really need is you know, those, those longer tail searches like, um, dresses for a date with, with mom, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. So they, they don't always have to be keyword driven in the, in the sense of the attributes that the products have. Yeah. But they, they just need to match it with how user searches. Mm-hmm. So, like in that example with the guitars, it might be, um, it could be something like cool 80s inspired guitars. Not necessarily um, talking about the material or mm-hmm. um, anything technical to do with the product, but more of a generic uh, a vibe, for want of a better word. The irony, I guess, of that is that if you do particularly well for those longer tail searches by uh, nailing a killer category page for that longer tail, longer tail search, you actually do a little bit better for the shorter tail search, don't you? Further down the line. Yeah, so if you're talking about, you know, going out dresses and um, dresses for the weekend and dress, dresses for a party yeah. and all of the different uh, combinations of that, Google's going to understand that you're about a specific type of clothing um, and understand what your site's about that much better. Like it. Okay, so we've got filters, we've got relevance. What was the third one? So I think to, to kind of tie all that up quite nicely is, um, you know, imagine the the situation where somebody looks for one of those really long tail searches uh-huh. and then you've managed to get the click from them because you've got a fantastic category landing page. Okay. They'll land on the site. Um, so my third one is, and then what? At that point, you have to inspire enough confidence in the customer to, to further, to get an additional click out of them to, to get them to browse a bit more. So a number of different ways you can do that. I know you're a big fan of uh, product reviews. So we, you do see that more more often now. You've got a category page, and then you might want to sort by a star rating. So just just show me the products that people say are are good. Um, you could have things like uh, social proof on there. So if you if you had like three or four products, you could have some users um, like Insta posts on them, perhaps. Yeah, nice. Yeah, show, yeah. How, show how people are wearing them. Again, something that comes from the fashion world and they do really well. Um, but you've got the, you've done the hard work and you've got the person to the category page. How can you uh, demonstrate your USPs and give them the confidence that this is the site that I want to buy something from? Yeah, and we before we started recording, we were talking about land of beds, weren't we? Land of beds. What what were they doing particularly well? So land of beds, you've got um you've got mattresses, for example. Who knows about buying a mattress? What makes a good mattress? I have no idea. No one's an expert on that. <laughs> it, it's a it's a boring but important uh, subject to be honest. Yeah. So you know where where do we look in terms of um that that proof of what makes a good mattress mm-hmm. and what land of beds have used is uh, which recommended scores. 
So if you've got, um, how many do we have on this page? Hundreds of mattresses, more mattresses than you know exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, 338 on this one page. Mm-hmm. But they've actually highlighted which ones have got best, which best buy award. Yeah. So I don't know about mattresses, but a which best buy sounds pretty good. So you can, you can guarantee that when Land of Beds look at their sales at the end of the year, end of the quarter, whenever it, it'll be the ones with those little which best buy logo next to it. Yeah. They'll have more purchases in, won't they? Yeah. It's just, it's all, it's all somebody needs to, to be able to take that 338 mattresses yeah. and say, well, five of them have got the which award. They must be good. It's it's the same reason why any business-to-business website you go on, it'll put loads of logos on their homepage. It's, it's borrowing authority from elsewhere. It's uh, someone launching a new product. They'll say, as seen in Vogue magazine, as seen at Paris Fashion Week, as seen wherever else it could possibly be. They are they are taking that brand and adding it to their own. So that that's the kind of, you know, through borrowing that authority from other brands, you actually inspire the confidence in your customer or your potential customer that, you know what, this site's worthy. They are more likely to get some business from me. Yeah, trust signals. Uh, I love the, the term borrowing authority. Mm-hmm. Imagine you've got a, um, like a beer mm-hmm. on, on a landing page. Mm-hmm. If one of the, if one of the beers says, as sold in this restaurant mm. that you really like, I trust that one versus the, you know, the, the alternative, which might be a really bland, just list of products with zero content behind it. Yeah. That could be dropship from China or, you know, yeah. any number of scam websites. Yeah. But you do have to do that job of just giving, giving a little bit of confidence that this is the site that I want to buy from. How much of that do you think is actually overcoming potential objections that those customers might have versus convincing them to buy in the first place. That that's the really difficult balancing act. It's being promotional to say, you know, buy from us because we're great and this is our USP, um, and genuinely being useful towards the customer. Yeah. So you can say, you know, we offer next day delivery um, as a USP in a specific sector, and that sounds great. Um, but if the customer's main contention is, I'm not sure if this uh, item is going to fit. Yeah. How, how can you convey that, um, you know, you offer, you offer sizing advice or here's a guide about sizing, just a simple link to a, a, a shopping guide. And it's, 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 it's balancing the two. Sizing is a great one. Another great one, going back to mattresses, um, I was looking at Eve mattresses a while ago and I nearly, nearly bought one, but it didn't even occur to me as a thing that I'd actually have to get rid of my old mattress. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That suddenly felt like a massive ball ache at the point where I was about to purchase one and I got a little pop-up as I was going through the checkout saying, Eve will take your old mattress away for 40 quid. And I thought, fuck off, I'm not paying an extra 40 quid for you to take my old mattress away, you can sort off. So I ended up not buying one just because it was a bit weird, really. And what Eve were trying to do was help me out and say, look, I'm, uh, I'll take your old mattress away. I'll take the hassle away. But I thought, eh, so gee, I'm not, not paying an extra 40 quid, you robbing bastards. You should have just done it for free. <laughs> so that's an, it's an interesting, almost reverse psychology on that one. That's a, a peculiar example, but it's a, uh, you know, it, you see it a lot with furniture. Like if, if someone's ordering a new washing machine or a new sofa and it's going to come from the delivery men, uh, they're going to, they might be thinking, oh God, I'm going to have to take a day off work here to make sure my sofa gets in my front room all right. But if the, the category page said something like, um, free, Delivery slots available accurate or with, within one hour, 
suddenly it's like right I can I can take an hour yeah. I can use my lunch break and I can actually buy the thing so it's it's preempting the objections your customers might have just to ease them through that buying journey I think you your old school copywriters say it best when they talk about the slippery slide and they just need to address any objections that the, the customers might have before they come up with them themselves. That's always a great tip. Yeah, it's, it's great to have that kind of stuff on the product page itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but where you know where my belief in the category landing page comes from is the earlier on you can do that, the better chance you've got of making it to the product page in the first instance. Nice, okay. If a, if a website could only work on one, the product pages or the category pages, what would you tell them to work on? Um, I would say, I would say the category pages because I see more weak category pages than I do weak product pages nowadays. Yeah, yeah okay. So there's a, you know, if you fix your weaknesses, you're going to pick up a lot of the slack really and see more bang for your buck in terms of improvement, I imagine. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's one of those massive areas in e-commerce that's quite often forgotten and it's crazy. Good. Nice one, Jeff. Anything, anything else to wrap us up in terms of category pages we might not have touched on there? Just a, a one that I, I thought of that people probably overthink is the, the salt buy. When people have salt buy recommended or, you know, who hates it when you drop on a category page and it's sorted by price high or low? As if you're a baller landing on that page wanting to buy the most expensive one. <laughs> um, it's, you know, like offline merchandisers will think that's great. Show the customer the most expensive stuff because that's what they want them to buy. Yeah. Who doesn't drop on a category page and then the first thing you do is go sort by price, not a high, <laughs> and then you start your browsing from there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Don't overthink the merchandising of it. You know, it is important. Nice one. Can I play devil's advocate for one second just before I let you go? Uh, some people will, would join in on this conversation and say things like, it doesn't fucking matter about your category pages. I've got a brilliant site search. So search, um, if, if your site search really is that good, that's great. And the two have to work in conjunction. So the site search is going to work when somebody, um, has something very specific in mind. The, the, the piece which I think a lot of people overlook is that the category page is for browsers. Mm. I've got a vague idea of something that I want. Show, show me the five or six or ten or fifty best options, and there's there's no real better way to do that than the category page. Yeah, yeah. The search is uh, there's a specific product. I know you guys have got it on your site. Yeah. I'm gonna put it in the search bar. Show me it now. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, so what you're saying there is the earlier you can get into the customer buying journey and actually add value to that process, and we'll use the word again, be a trusted advisor. Uh, the more likely you are to win the purchase at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, they might come back for the third or fourth time um, and search for the product that you've shown them at an earlier point. And the search has to be as good as, if not even better, than what we're talking about in landing pages. But maybe that's a, that's a chat for next week um, yeah. on site search. Yeah, yeah, nice. But so what, what were the three things then? Um, relevant and useful filters, mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. Should be built into most CMS these days. Mm-hmm. Relevance in terms of does this landing page offer what I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. And uh, trust signals. So make me want to buy from you guys. There you go. The, the three things you need on your category pages. Thank you for listening. Thanks for, for listening, listening to No Bollocks Marketing. Marketing.
Never miss an episode by subscribing to the pod. And if you want more from your favourite e-commerce agency, including our expert blog and weekly emails, check out befoundbechosen.co.uk forward slash content. Until next time. time.